Welcome to Summer Soul Sessions on the Digital Coffee Date, created and hosted by writer and producer Jessica Rosado. This limited summer series maintains the same mission of being your weekly dose of inspiration with an enriched level of spiritual awareness. The topics being discussed are powerful themes in our society and culture that need the presence of God brought back into the conversation. Here you will find a safe space that discusses some hard-hitting questions about ourselves while keeping faith, love, compassion, understanding, and empathy at the forefront. I am so happy to have you here, so let us continue our sisterhood with words that revive the soul. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the fourth episode in our Summer Soul Sessions series. This episode is our second to last one of the series, so I hope you've appreciated the messages in every episode so far. Our chat this morning is about understanding hope and fear and how they move us in action. So in true Summer Soul Sessions fashion... I'm going to start off with a quote from Dr. Maya Angelou. Now, if you don't know about her, I suggest you do a quick little Google search because she was a phenomenal woman. She was a civil rights activist and poet who received many different awards and over 50 honorary degrees. One of her famous poems and one of my favorites is called Phenomenal Woman. So I encourage you to read it and post it on your wall for a daily affirmation because it's really powerful. So Dr. Angelo said, hope and fear cannot occupy the same space at the same time. Invite one to stay. So hope is defined as a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. It's also defined as grounds for believing that something good may happen and an optimistic attitude of mind based on an expectation or desire. It's a word that is used in a very positive state of being. Fear, on the other hand, is defined as an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. Fear is often described with negative responses and can operate from a very unpleasant state of being. Now, it's important to understand how hope and fear can either lead us into promise or lead us into destruction. The two actually serve very similar purposes, but it's in the way they are used, the circumstances they are used in, and the desired result that creates either a positive outcome or a negative one. So let's dive into the brain for a moment to understand feelings and emotions. When we think of feelings and emotions, a lot of times these words become very interchangeable. But while they are similar, they still mean different things. Your emotions are your body's way of reacting. These reactions are activated through neurotransmitters and hormones released by the brain. Your feelings are the actual conscious experience of your emotional reactions. For instance, during a breakup, and of course, depending on the circumstance, we may have a wide range of emotions like anger, disgust, or sadness, and those emotional states are defined as what our body is actually doing. So if your emotion is anger or sadness, 
Maybe you just start crying or maybe your face is scrunched up or your body is just so exhausted that you sleep. If your emotion is disgust, maybe your stomach is in knots and really uncomfortable. Emotions have a literal bodily and facial reaction. Now, when it comes to our feelings, it's about the conscious experience of knowing what state we're in. So if we're going back to the breakup example, if I'm crying or all I want to do is sleep or if I feel sick to my stomach, my mind knows the emotions I'm experiencing. An easy way I look at emotions and feelings is that I see emotions as an external expression And I see feelings as an internal understanding. With that said, fear is an emotion. Fear is an emotional response in the wake of danger or threat. Now, the reason why a lot of psychologists will say that fear isn't necessarily a negative emotion is because the whole purpose of fear is to protect you. Fear is your body's emotional response to protect you from either immediate or upcoming danger. So when we talk about fear in a technical sense, they are correct that it isn't and shouldn't always be a bad thing. You'll see examples of fear keeping people away from what could be a dangerous moment or environment, whether at an actual place or with a particular partner. You'll even hear a lot of examples like people who enjoy horror movies and scary amusement parks because feeling fear actually excites them. But even in these examples, we have to understand what a fearful response physically feels like and what it does to our emotional state and why it cannot be the only state which we move into action from. When you are in a fearful response, your body is on a very high alert system. For example, let's say we're driving on a two-lane road and we notice cars are swerving up ahead and braking abruptly. Our immediate thought is that there might be danger ahead, so we're fearful for what may come. So we start braking or slowing down just in case. Now, let's say there's a vehicle on the opposite side of the traffic that ends up swerving right in front of us in our lane. We react so quickly in the blink of an eye to swerve out of the way that we don't even notice we were terrified. As we make it through and continue driving, we're breathing heavily, we're sweating, our hearts are racing, and as we continue on, our bodies even start to ache. In moments like those, our emotional state of fear is activating responses that we need to keep us safe. But can you imagine living every day and making every decision based on that kind of emotional response? How exhausted would you be? How anxious and worrisome would you be? You see, this is when fear can hinder your progress. We need fear, but we have to know when we need it and when we don't. When it comes to our emotional state of fear, our entire life, our mind is keeping record of every experience in order to determine how to protect us. But our range of experiences can be from mild discomfort to heavily traumatic. 
And we have to be able to check in with ourselves to know where those differences lie. For example, being fearful to be in a relationship with someone who disrespects you based on an abusive experience you had in your past is your mind's way of using a past experience to protect you from potential danger or distress. But being fearful of a new move because of the unknown factors of places and people can prohibit you from moving forward in a new opportunity. So we have to work really, really hard to determine what we define as fearful circumstances in our own lives. We have to be able to get real with ourselves and spend enough time with ourselves to know if we are making a decision or experiencing a thought process rooted in fear. And if that fear is necessary for or a hindrance to our growth and development. The Bible talks quite a lot about fear and being afraid. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Psalm chapter 23 verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Luke chapter 12, verses 22 through 26 say, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? In those verses, Jesus is talking about worrying because to worry about things you have no control over is to operate from a state of fear. And it's not productive. So we have to be cautious of the decisions we make and the thought processes we think that come from a fearful place. Now that we understand fear, let's look at one of my favorite words, heavy in optimism, hope. Now, hope is not an emotion because you cannot have a physical response through hope alone. According to American psychologist Paul Ekman, there are seven universal emotions, anger, fear, contempt, disgust, sadness, surprise, and enjoyment. He calls them the universal emotions because they trigger innate facial and body responses that go beyond language. For example, if you were in another country where you didn't understand the language, you would immediately recognize someone's emotions according to those seven. So hope itself isn't an emotional response, but it can trigger positive emotional responses and positive feelings such as happiness, contentment, and satisfaction, which is why being hopeful resonates in such a positive emotional state. 
So when we think about making decisions and having thought processes that are rooted in a hopeful state of being, we are filled with optimism and positivity. Looking at things from a hopeful perspective sees possibility and keeps us in a frame of mind that thinks of the glass as being completely full rather than being afraid of how heavy it might be. That is where we see the difference between fear and hope. Now keep in mind, just like fear, you can be hopeful in ways that are not productive. So we need to be cautious and constantly check in with ourselves to make sure we're moving into action from a place that is focused on our personal growth and development. For example, you could easily tell yourself you feel hopeful in a relationship with someone that might get better or that you feel hopeful in a workplace that might get better and both of which may not be good for you at all. So you'll hold on to that hope that things might just turn around. And in the process, you might be suffering and completely keeping yourself stagnant. In situations like these, we have to make sure our hope is not misplaced on the wrong things. The Bible, of course, talks about hope. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19, it says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. In Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5 say, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. What these verses are saying is that hope is one of the most precious things we can hold on to. Even in our suffering and hardships, when we hold on to hope, we believe there is light and a way out of anything. Having hope can breathe purpose. It can strengthen faith. It can turn your entire world around. Remember what Dr. Maya Angelou said, Hope and fear cannot occupy the same space at the same time. Invite one to stay. You can only be driven by one at a time. So with all things, we need to be checking in with ourselves. We need to take an inventory of our life, the decisions we make, and the thought processes we have, and we need to make sure that we are moving forward, driven by the best possible force our circumstances need. Sometimes for our protection, that force is fear. But most of the time, it's our hope that pushes past what fear is capable of doing. So today, ask yourself, what driving force do you need to move you forward toward your best decisions, your best self, and your best opportunities? Thank you for listening to Summer Soul Sessions, a limited summer series on the digital coffee date where meaningful inspiration ignites meaningful action. 
be sure to visit thedigitalcoffeedate.com to sign up for your free membership where you can go beyond our digital coffee dates and discuss episode topics on our growing community.